This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation. Man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are sock full of that, man. All right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold said so. If you're going to blitz... Come strong, but don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howe. You can get every episode of Longhorn Blitz just by searching Horns 24-7 Podcasts. Anywhere you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, just search Horns 24-7 Podcasts to get every edition of the flagship state of recruiting and Longhorn Blitz. Don't forget to like us and leave us a five-star review. The reviews for the latest Texas performance are not good, and it's probably, most likely, maybe already yet unofficially going to lead to seismic changes within the football program. We'll break all that down today on this latest edition of the podcast, but let me bring in the rest of the team fresh off of a Thanksgiving weekend. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, our lead research analyst on Longhorn Blitz and a daily fantasy guru. He is Matt Butler. Matt, how was your Thanksgiving? A uh, good Thanksgiving with the fam. How about how about you? The only thing that was missing, uh, you did not do my fried yard bird this year, which uh, you know I decided, <laughs> eh, you know we'll give uh, I'll give Matt the year off, not inconvenience anybody, and uh, we'll just we'll save it for next year. So that was unfortunate, but it'll be uh, twice as good next year then. Exactly. <laughs> other, other than that, it was a good Thanksgiving. Uh, a man who is a connoisseur of Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving foods, even though I found out he is not a pie guy, not a Thanksgiving dessert type guy. Not a pie guy. Yeah. Or a cobbler guy. Yeah. It's weird. Thanksgiving desserts are terrible. We know he's, this. he's strong in his opinions. Uh, <laughs> that's why he's a renaissance man. Uh, just here, but also uh, every day on 104.9 The Horn on the triple option from 3 to 7. But here he is, our lockdown corner on Longhorn Blitz. Lifetime Longhorn, 2002 UT All-American, 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award. Fourth-round draft choice of the New York Giants in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats in the CFL. When he was done with football, he got himself back to Austin, Texas, and the 40 Acres where he earned his degree. Whenever that T-ring comes in, we will make sure he wears it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU, and when you get that All-American honor recognized by the NCAA, they make sure you get one of those black cards. Number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. Thanks for the intro, brother. So, Rod and Matt, you guys want to talk about Urban Meyer's hypothetical staff right now, or you want to say that to the end of the show? <laughs> uh, you start steering the ship. Yeah. If you got info. Well, well, half, of it's already, half of it's already on the campus, so we're good. <laughs> <laughs> Defensive side. Bruh. Yeah, so that's kind of where we're at. 23-20, Texas loses to Iowa State. Rod, we were talking about it before we started recording. Uh, I kind of had this – I think all three of us had the same feeling. There's a point where Texas goes up 20-10. to 10. They kind of weathered that storm from 
Iowa State having the football for all but five plays of the second quarter. They got the ball to start the second half. Defense gets a stop. Texas goes down and scores. They're up 10 points. And at that point, you're thinking, yeah, they've, they've got this thing figured out. Well, that was it. That was the end of the scoring. And they really didn't have it figured out. And to me, guys, this was a a microcosm of this season, a microcosm of Tom Herman's tenure. And for all intents and purposes, this is the straw that's going to break the camel's back as far as Tom Herman's future on the 40 acres. Unless something just completely unforeseen happens or there is a change of heart or something just Mm -hmm. that we don't know is coming down the pike, uh, yeah, this is it. This is Tom Herman knew that we. Ever, Tom Herman knew what the deal was. Everybody knew what the deal was after the Oklahoma game. You needed to win out. You needed to get to the Big Twelve championship game. You probably even needed to win that. But Rod, now that none of those things are, I mean, Texas is mathematically still mm-hmm. in it, but the chance isn't even worth discussing in terms of what has to happen for them to get there. Uh, Rod, writing's on the wall at this point, man. It's this is it is what it is. Yeah, um, I mean, I. I'll say that I'm disappointed because that's another game where the players played a a hard enough. They gave themselves a good chance to win. There were coaching decisions that really decreased that opportunity for the players. And uh, even Ricky said that, Ricky Williams on LHN, and I think he's rounding the money. Coaches are supposed to give you a better chance to win, right? Put you in a position to be successful. That didn't necessarily happen. I will say this. The opening game plan, the initial game plan and script for Texas, uh, offensively and defensively, I do think Iowa State uh, was shocked by it. I think it was superior to Iowa State. It really was. It gave them, a, I, I think, a, a really seismic advantage early on in the game. I was thinking that Texas had a chance. They had a chance to, to, to blow out Iowa State early on. I know that sounds crazy, but they mm-hmm. had a shot. They had a shot at it. That, that, that touchdown early was because of a miscommunication between Creedon Stearns and Chris Brown. And it's like, dude, if those two guys have a miscommunication, well, then, oh, hell, man. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't like the call of the, the cornerback blitz, but they've been running that cornerback blitz all, all year long. And I don't know if it's made it there any time this year. And they just <laughs> like running that cornerback blitz. And I got to tell you, it's been disastrous at least 50% of the time. I can tell you sometimes in Oklahoma where Spencer Rattler gets like a 20-yard run. these kids are over, programmed. <laughs> if you see yeah, that, you know they, if they're too deep guys They always on crash side. down on the run. But my point is, anyway, um, the, the miscommunication. Like, dude, you've been running that play all year long. You've been running that play all year long. What the hell it's are you It's raining against doing? you all the you time. Don't understand. What are y'all doing? Y'all don't know who's supposed to take the outside receiver on a cornerback blitz? Come on, man. That's ridiculous. So I think that, that was their only touchdown early on. And Texas scores on, what, three of their first four possessions? And hell, probably should have had touchdowns. Yep. Instead of field goals, right? So it was right there. If they if they get a touchdown instead of that first, that field goal where they're right there at second on the goal line, the game is different. If the your your veteran defensive backs don't give up a touchdown on a cornerback blitz that you've been all damn year, you probably you get on the verge of getting up. Dude, I'm talking about two touchdowns mm-hmm. on Iowa State early on in that game, right? And it's and and give credit to Matt Campbell because he's he knew. That's why he slowed that game down. Yep. He knew he's like, dude, I got to give my defense time to adjust. <laughs> I got to give my offense time to kind of get in a groove and get confident because he knew he was watching the same thing we were watching. He was like, damn, they got me. All right, okay, all right, this is not what I thought. All right, you know what? I'm in a chess match. Let's go. 
right, let's make a move. We got to control the ball, control the game. We got to keep that damn offense off the field so we don't get blown out. Think about it. it, it think about that fumble by Tariq Bo- yeah, that was yeah. a 26-yard reception, running going yeah. empty. They were it was like they've been listening to the blitz and looking at my tweets. <laughs> They're running empty. They had a quarterback run out of empty. Yep. Who the hell been asking for that? Rod B was asking for it all damn year. They finally started listening to me, and they could have blown them out. It's like three or four plays they kept them from blowing Iowa State out. Yep. Think about that. Tariq Black don't fumble. They go right down the field and put another score on the board. Yeah. Guarantee you. Because I would say couldn't figure it out. Yeah, and they couldn't do anything they at the beginning when you talk about running the ball. Like, whenever you have Campbell out there and he's like, all right, I got to slow this game down, but I can't run the ball. And it's like, if you can't and run. what do you do? He put it on Brock Purdy. Yep. There's only two games this year where Brees Hall's only had, like, four rushes in the first 15 offensive plays. It was against TCU earlier this year and against Texas. He knew he was like, all right, they're going to take Brees Hall away. I got to put more of this on Brock Purdy. Mm-hmm. I got, I can't bang my head against this brick wall. We get another three and out. They get the ball back. They're going right down the field and score because mm-hmm. we can't really figure it out on defense. I need time to let, my, let John Heacock figure out what they're doing and come up with a plan. And it's exactly what they did. So he put it on Brock Purdy. They, at first, think about it. They weren't even involved in their tight ends in the first two series. The they, don't start, they don't start targeting their, first, their, their tight ends until the third offensive series. And they target them on outs. But Texas had a great game plan. They were sitting on the tight ends. The mm-hmm. safeties were sitting. Think about it. Even DeMarvio and Overshone. He's sitting on that out route by uh, Kolar early on. Yep, right? So they're sitting on the route. So what do they do? What does Iowa State do when you're sitting on the routes? Go seams. Mm-hmm. We go right by them. And that's they're sitting you- on the outs. Let's go right by them. So they figured out the seam. And once they figured out the seam, Texas never really could adjust because at that point they had the seam or the sideline. They set them up and they kept running in that post corner with those with those tight ends and different concepts. Dude, they 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 just figured it out. And Texas was that close. I'm telling you, they're blowing them out, but they just kept scoring themselves. Well, and that's the main thing that's <laughs> sort of been like when you have say the opportunity, but then you're getting less than expected results. Texas did that first half. Meanwhile, <laughs> while you're surviving the storm, Iowa State, there's no Brees Hall. Then you're what's happening? Yeah. There's no Kolar. There's no Hutchison. Like, all you get is Saner. It's like your third tight end. You can find ways. He's the one they first started throwing the ball to. Mm-hmm. And Milton would just, with the little one-yard outs, just to be able to manufacture a run game while they're able to strategize something, they go into halftime. They come out the second half, and the offense actually looked a lot better for on the Iowa State side, but it took them a whole half. Took them a whole like half. you're saying, in that whole half, whenever Texas... Well, at least the first quarter, because they and, figured it out. That, I mean, that, yeah. They had two double-digit play drives in the second quarter. Second quarter, so yeah. So that's why they dominated. They had, a, they had and, about 11 Whenever and they had those, yeah. though, were and, with, their, right. with their third and fourth and fifth players, right. and Texas and was taking away. The wild it took them a little while, yeah. and then they figured out, all right, our tight ends, we know how to use our tight ends now, and then they figured out, all right, the running game's got to be some Brock Purdy because otherwise they just going to mash on Brees Hall. And then they brought in 20 personnel. We got to let these dudes worry about two running backs. All right? They draw the, they, they key in on Brees Hall. How about if I bring 20 personnel in here and have y'all have to key on both of them and turn Brees Hall into a fullback? How you like that? You know what I mean? They and then, it was brilliant. I, I got I got about 10 things I can point out to you. Little chess moves here and there where I would say decided, I don't know, okay, I'm going to fix this, I'm going to fix that. Coaches are just problem solvers. They solved every problem Texas presented to them. And I could I, and I could take you to a step-by-step, but we don't have the time. But yeah. I'll give you an example. It was beautiful. Uh, the, the thing I liked <laughs> about getting the tight ends open, Rod, one of the things I liked is, you, like you mentioned, they started attacking the seams, the, that area. Similar to what Texas Tech did, but obviously Iowa State's doing yep. it in a different 
in a different manner, using the tight ends instead of Tech just running, you know, crossers and you know digs and things like that with their with their wide receivers. But a lot of that was on Brock Purdy to, hey, look, you're gonna have to create your own windows. You're gonna have to use your eyes. You have to use your your shoulders, your body language. You're gonna have to do. It can't just be all play action. You're gonna have to freeze those linebackers. You have to basically create your own windows. Mm-hmm. And credit to, moving the pocket too. Credit to Brock yeah, Purdy because yeah, the D lineman was moving the pocket yeah. initially. There was a point after Texas went up twenty to ten, Rod, to, to kind of we're talking about like Iowa State's passing game kind of reaching a crescendo slowly mm-hmm. as the game went on, as they kind of started to figure it out. They figured it out after Texas went up twenty to ten. The yards per completion for both quarterbacks, Sam Ellinger was at twenty point six. Hmm. Brock Purdy was at nine point eight. Yeah, yeah, early in that game. Yeah. yeah, and by the way, I love okay, I love what they do with Brandon Eagles, right? <laughs> But they figured that out too. Go look at it, and I'll make sure I make sure I get their names right. Yes, because Texas was brilliant in their initial game plan and what they wanted to do. They were attacking number two. All right, they were attacking Daytron Young. Yeah, they, they were, were going after him. Them. Go, go, all of uh, four for go four, look at all of uh, Brendan Eagles receptions, those deep ones. They were against him specifically. Four for four they were going one twenty-seven. Yeah, they were going after that guy. So what did Iowa State do first? They started moving number twenty-six. Over to him, and even though they play boundary and field corners, they said just go to Brendan Eagle side, dude. You Anthony gotta, whatever. Anthony Johnson, sorry, that's, yeah, yeah, they started moving. Yeah, twenty six, right? That's him. Yeah, started moving him, Anthony Johnson over there, and he's a better coverage guy. Period. I mm-hmm. think basically Brendan Eagles got one catch on him, and it was an out route on like a third down, and it was for like thirteen or something yards against him. But after that, no more deep routes from Brendan Eagles. And they got to the point where they just took number two off the damn field. Because mm-hmm. they figured, because Josh Moore ran a deep route on number two and got a pass interference on him. So yep. they knew Texas going after number two. So what they do, at first they started moving uh, Anthony Johnson around number 26. They figured, you know what, just take this dude off the field. If that's part of their game plan, is to attack that guy, take him off the damn field. And they took him off the field. And Texas should have probably just kept going at number 13. That's what they brought in. Um, for him, and that's uh, is it Tavon Kyle, I believe. They should just kept going at whoever was opposite of twenty six, but they they didn't they didn't do that because Texas isn't smart enough to put all their best players on the field at one time. If they'd have done that, then Texas probably would have had a chance to get a couple. They they threw a deep route to to to, to Schooler against thirteen. The one, the play Early. before the Tariq Black fumble. Yes. Yeah. If you got a better player in there right there. Because you got him. You had him. Even Brendan Schooler had a little step on him. Schooler lost the, he just lost the ball. He just lost mm-hmm. the ball. If you got a better player in there, that's touchdown. Yep. You think about it. The margin for error when you're going up against a great coach, you're so thin, dog. You're so thin. I talk to Shano about this all the time. The margin for error, he starts talking about, damn, I remember the second quarter on that second and eight. You know what I mean? Like, yep. I should have called Man. this. We'd have had a touchdown if that wide receiver actually would have picked up that ball. You know what I mean? Like, they start thinking about Uncle Rico that's, how, that's how small the margins are. And Tom Herman didn't understand that. Dude, they adjusted. That was a great adjustment right there. They took that Brandon Eagle stuff away because the, the – the, Texas was beating them with different things, the outside zone and the quarterback run game, but they were killing them with Brendan Eagles. Daggers. Just daggers, dude. 50-yard yeah. gains. You can't have that. What they you took just, that away. What you just said, Rod, that's kind of a big picture thing. Like You hear Lincoln Riley or Kyle Shanahan, guys that are, you know, I've even heard Andy Reid do this. Like Guys that are at the top of their profession in terms of offensive-minded coaches, they'll be able to recall – a game in a certain situation at a certain down and distance where, yeah, mm-hmm. you'll probably like to have that one back or this is what we're looking for. They were <laughs> maybe they, every game. Maybe this, is me, maybe this is me making yeah. something like, yeah, Sean McVay does that as well. So maybe mm-hmm. this is me just making a mountain out of a molehill. But you asked Tom Herman, I was like, well, I've coached a lot of games. Which game are you talking about? Which player are you talking about? Like, <laughs> I'm describing the situation. <laughs> right. You should know 
what I'm talking about. You should re- is it the recall should happen pretty quickly? And this is like yeah. I don't know. It's just one of the things about Tom Herman that drives know. me nuts at a press conference. Is he just look? I, I don't care anymore. He just thinks we're all idiots when we ask him questions about football. Yeah, he thinks we're all idiots. Yeah, he probably has forgotten more football than I know. Of course, and I'm not just saying me, me specifically asking questions, but no, like. I, I didn't just fall off the turnip truck yesterday. I'm watching the game. I can see what is happening. So give me your rationale rather than just explaining to me why you think I'm an idiot. I blame the players Look, for a bad for a day in coaching. Let's mistake. just can we? Okay, there's a lot of stuff we got to get to, and not a lot of time. So I want to. I think we hit a lot there. There are a lot of there, as you said, Rob. There are a lot of things you can point to as to when this game flipped. And, to, and I want to mention one real quick to your point about that drive where Texas had a chance to put Iowa State away early. Go to that drive that ended with a Tariq Black fumble. We've got a Sam Ellinger run for eight yards. Mm. A Sam Ellinger pass to Jordan Whittington for 13. Oh, I remember that. A Roshan Johnson run for 11. So you're you're moving the ball. And that was that outside zone, I think. I remember that one. One of the few times outside zone has worked all freaking year. Dude, this year, they, I mean, this game, they were mashing it yeah. early on. And then Iowa State figured it out, and they didn't have anything to adjust to. Exactly. Um, but <laughs> then you missed the deep ball to Schooler, which <sighs> – if that's Jordan Whittington getting that ball, it's or Jake Smith, or any other good, mm-hmm. one of your better players, it's a touchdown. Probably. Which, by the way, if you haven't identified, my, my bar is pretty. My bar is my bar is pretty low for this receiver core. But if you're in freaking game eight, and this coaching staff, and you haven't figured out who your best receivers are, yeah. then someone needs to lose their job over that. Oh I hate to put it in those terms, but if you haven't figured that out by game eight, that's a dang coaching mistake. Period. Point blank in the story. Mm-hmm. I digress. Yeah. Sam, Sam Elliott and Brennan Schooler can't connect on the deep ball. And then the very next play is the 28-yard catch by Tariq Black mm. that ends with a fumble. Beautiful play design, too. Out of empty. It's just it, – it, remi- <laughs> it, reminded me of the, it reminded me of the Iowa State game Herman's first year. If you remember the game in Ames, Texas started out great. That, they, they, they went up early, and they're rolling, and they got a chance to blow the game open. And then if you remember, they call it a reverse to Armani Foreman. Oh. And him and Chris Warren, like, bobble the exchange, oh. and they turn it over. And then the offense just went to crap after that. I remember that. They just went to crap. I think I, I got to go back and pull it up. I think they averaged like two and a half, three yards a play the rest of the game. Like it's like that one thing just deflated you and Rod until they got it back in the second half. That pretty much deflated mm-hmm. them right there. That yeah. Tariq Black fumble. Yeah, that was bad. But when you talk about Tariq blaming players, had a bad game. But when you talk about blaming players, we can get into the minutia of to go for it or not. What situations do you go for it on fourth down? Whatever. But if your rationale in why a fourth and eight fake punt didn't work, if you and Tom Herman said this in the press conference, this is a conjecture from me. Okay, I know he did. If your explanation is that you were counting on your place kicker, who is serving as your backup punter, to find Roshan Johnson on a corner route, if that's mm-hmm. your explanation as to why that situation failed, then. Every conversation we're having about why Tom Herman shouldn't be the head football coach at Texas is valid. Yeah, a punter should be I, throwing a corner out. That's I, a hard throw. It's a hard throw. <laughs> <laughs> like that's a because you're 17 yards back. It's a hard throw. It's a hard throw out of the pocket. Come on, uh, Rod. I can't wrap my head around what. I, I can't wrap my head around it. I can't. I can't come up with a logical reason on how you defend that. Fourth and four, maybe. Fourth and eight. 
I mean, he's got like well, twelve no, yards then, down the field, and yeah, that's at least that's it makes 20. sense that you the play wasn't intended for Brewer. Because at first I was like, if it's intended for the tight end, then you're gonna go. Why don't you have Wiley out there or something? But because he can get don't the yak. Because the when he caught Jared it, Wiley I was thing. like, hey, you make one one guy miss, you get it. I didn't know the intended receiver was you know corner route. It's one of those things, Rod. Yeah. As you watch it unfold, as around. you watch it unfold, I'm thinking, surely they're not. I'm like, oh no, oh no, oh no. Like this is me watching the play. I'm going, oh no. Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! 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 Mm. And your defense is playing pretty well. Yeah. Your defense is giving up that that miscommunication breakdown, but other than that, they've held. You know, <laughs> it's like some state. Let Allinger well. go for it's it. Like it's like some of those some of those fail videos. It's like some of those fail videos you watch online, like the woman stomping grapes and she falls out of the tub. <laughs> you see it falls <laughs> off the platform. Slowly developing. It's like a car <laughs> like crash so, in slow motion, man. It's just it's so bad. Can I can almost I can almost and, and I hate this. I, I say this a lot. It's kind of sports talk radio cliche. I don't necessarily hate the decision to go for it there because you had really good field position and you're thinking, okay, maybe if you go down and at least get points here, extend this drive, you better your chances of winning the ball game. But I, the call, the call, I can't justify that being a, a decision a smart football coach would make. I just can't. For your punter to have to make that. No, you're, like, you're, yeah, you're a backup yeah, punter. Backup punter, actually, yeah. Have to make that play. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm with you. I. I. I probably would have punted. I'm the one who justifies the fourth down call. Mm-hmm. Everybody's mad, saying he should have took the that points. One I, don't have I justify the fourth yeah, down. Call. Like Listen, it. I'm cool going for it on fourth, fourth down. One. What I'm upset about is the play call. If the only thing you have is a zone or zone read conflict on fourth and one, that's all you got. And we just look at the money plays. I know you got your green binder, but you're supposed to have a binder of money plays, like plays like, oh, right, we got this. Mm-hmm. This is it. We know this is going to work. Plays that you have either throughout game planning in the week have figured out a weakness to exploit on that defense, or because of the strength of your team, you know, all right, we can do this because I got this player. I got Bam Bam Sam. I got a left tackle who's going to be a first-round pick. Who they never run behind. Thing. And they ain't even run behind him. They ran behind the right side of the offensive line, which has been a disaster all year. And they didn't – no pre-snap motion at all. Not that it would matter because they haven't handed off a damn jet sweep all year long. You know what I mean? Like, it's, yep. it's like, what, do something. Did you see Matt – did you see Matt Campbell's third and one call? Oh, Magnifico. I'll give, I'll give you an example. He has one. Oh, God, it was so good. They went empty formation out of 11 personnel. Brees Hall on the outside. And it, I believe it was a, a third and one. Brees Hall on the outside. Brees Hall motions back. Into. And then uh, back into the backfield. And now, like jet sweep motion. Like jet sweep. He's yeah. not going to the backfield. Run back. Jet sweep motion. And they end up running the zone read concept mm. with Brees Hall. And then Purdy keeps it and then runs. Gets the first down, of course. But, oh, just beautiful play design. Oh, this little eye candy in there for you. Go empty, spreading them out, then bringing them back in. Tom Herman, we're going to go zone read. <laughs> it's like, what? Yep. That's it? That's all you got? That's all you got? That's all you got? I found myself a lot in this game, Rod. Even 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 there were short yardage situations or situations, some third downs Iowa State didn't convert, where I was like, ooh, that's I like sexy. that call. <laughs> well, no. They didn't convert. Ooh, that was, pass got batted or Purdy missed a throw or whatever. When they're in the they go fourth and, was it fourth and two? In the red zone, Brees Hall, old school, toss sweep into the boundary. Mm-hmm. After they bring the mo- the one receiver out in, because they're going 13 personnel, in motion toward the field, and then they toss sweep to the boundary. 
oh, from a compressed formation? Come on. And then by the end of the And they time, haven't done that all year long. Hold on, I heard man. I would stay fair and tell me, man, hold it's the first sir. time they've done that all year long. But go think about this. This is what this is what aggravates me about Tom Herman. Think about the tilt of the TCU game two years ago, the home game, when they ran a toss to the boundary with Daniel Young. But they, like, muscled up, and it's like you had no chance to make it. If you're going to run a toss sweep into the boundary on fourth and short, that's how you do it. You mo- Yeah, you get yeah, you yeah. away from that side of the field. <laughs> that's what I'm saying, Rod. Like, I'm, I'm an idiot compared to what Tom Herman knows about football, but I can count. Exactly. I can do simple numbers. Come on now. Mm-hmm. I agree, man. That's all I'm saying. So that fourth and one call, I'm just looking at the fourth and short calls or third and short calls for Iowa State, and they're just – they're magnificent. Well, because then, <laughs> then it would start to work off them when Texas is expecting them to go empty and you don't have necessarily the right grouping out there, and then what do they do? Oh, they're going to motion Kohler back in, and then you're going to bring Hill back in. You got him in the backfield, and they started plowing straight ahead downhill. Yeah. Like, it started working out for them in the second half. The thing that aggravates me the most about the offense, guys, that just is just mind-numbing to, for me to watch is – We've taught, we've heard Tom Herman talk about it. Needed to evolve. We need to evolve the offense. That's why you're bringing Mike Yurcich in. And honestly, if you look at it right at its core, this is still Tom Herman's offense, and it's very much a Greg Davis philosophy. It's all about matchups, mm-hmm. and if you can get the preferred matchup, great. But if somebody adjusts or the talent is like talent, you pre- I have I've yet to see a really good counter. Mm-mm. No, they didn't have anything in that game. I'm trying to think of one big adjustment by Texas to counter what Iowa State did throughout the game, and I can't. I, I yeah, obviously you guys know I'm documenting. I watched that game three. I've or four seen times. I, I've seen and Chris Ash make adjustments. Uh, yeah, Chris Ash. Chris Ash really didn't need to make many adjustments. Not in this game. We're talking like over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Overall. I totally agree. Yes, overall. no doubt. Agree. Totally agree. Yeah, yeah. I'm having a hard time. But the defense, like I said, de- this is not defense's fault. I mean, defense they held. I mean, you That's hold a team in the Big Twelve to what, 23 points. You're supposed to, if you're Texas, not everybody, but if you're Texas, you got to win that game. And that's mm-hmm. against Iowa State. That's a team that, that uh, against a team that ain't recruited higher than 46th in any recruiting class Matt Campbell's been there. You got to win the game. This ain't Oklahoma. If it's Oklahoma, all right, I give it to you. You got to win this game. You, you're at home. You You've had 20 days off. You got to win that game. You basically <laughs> held Brees Hall to 70 yards Come on now. Until, yeah. until Iowa State's last drive. Exactly. Come on now. You should win that football game. You got to win that football game. You guys realize Brees Hall had at least has had at least three explosive runs in every game Iowa State's played this year, except this one. And his one explosive run didn't come till that last drive. Yeah, yeah. Did five play, five play, five, five, five play drive, five, yeah, play, five drive. play, five for sixty nine. And Brees Hall started with an eighteen yard run. Ooh, yeah. You should you should win that game. Yeah, and the defense. I something tells me they were just worn out by that drive. It was something about that drive. Iowa State was on a high, and I think our defense had hit a wall. Felt like, I think, like they had no resistance on that drive, but they had had resistance the entire game, but no resistance on that drive I, at all. I heard Quan Cosby talk about this, Rod, and and I agree with Quan. I think this game kind of some some sums this up, this philosophy up. Quan said he heard one time from a coaching standpoint. If you respect the game, the game will respect you back. But you mm. can't disrespect the game. You can't can't disrespect the football gods. And when you play with fire, this goes back to the one possession game thing. Mm. When you That's play true. with fire as much as Texas does, and you leave yourself no margin for error, sometimes you're gonna get burned. Come back to bite you, right? You can't have save the day, Sam. Save the day every day. Someday he's going to be human. And, and he was human and in that's this moment, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. he's, been, he's, been, he's, been, he's been superhuman all season long in that moment. But in this moment, 
He was human. That's all. He was just human. That's yes. an act. I mean, all uh, you can t- look at the two plays. Like one's a decision, like the sack, but in just you know maybe trying to make a play. The other one you already brought up the fourth and one where it's just sort of like your foot slipped. Yeah. Like he's just like if it, even if it's a bad call, if he just doesn't hey you going to plant his foot and it just slips out a tiny bit and that's that can happen. That can be the narrowest of margins. Yep. You know the the best way to sum this game up is yeah you you, you played with fire because. Your defense basically had to be perfect, and in the red zone, they were until that last drive. Mm-hmm. And what's different between this one possession loss and, and the one possession wins you've had? You went to the Sam Ellinger well one too many times, and this time you came up dry. Yep, That's, and then your awesome kicker you thought like could go up there and nail a kick, and it was a kick that looked you're, damn good the whole way. And to yeah, the narrows to margins. It's y'all's point, Matt. What you just brought up, and Rod, you just mentioned this too. If Sam doesn't take that sack and you have an extra five yards, it's on the right that, side of the. Upside. Assuming he hits it the same way, it's good from fifty three. It's good. Yeah, it's good. I agree with you. And then you go <laughs> you to know? Over, then you're in overtime. Who knows what happens? But it should have never come down to Cameron Dicker needing a fifty eight yard field goal. I'm with you. It should have never come down to the defense needing yeah, to be in college. You're you asking, never have that. you're asking a defense in this league with these offensive minds to be perfect in the red zone. Yeah, that's crazy. That was my that was my whole deal about not going for two in the Oklahoma game. You're trading scores with Lincoln Riley when you you're giving him a twenty five yard field. That's, that's not a battle you're going to win, Tom Herman. Yeah. In retrospect, I'm, I'm changing my mind about that one too. I think I'm starting to agree. You got to go for two I, if you know you're a team. And I know yeah. you, you were saying that from the jump. And I don't think Tom Herman – I still think Tom Herman doesn't know his, know this team well enough. I think I know this team better than Tom Herman knows his team. I know it's That's sad. <laughs> I don't think he knows his team well enough. That is sad, man. Yeah. It's – so what we're really talking about here is what this means for Tom Herman. Yeah. And, guys, I'll be honest, I don't see any point right now in talking about the K-State game because I'm not sure in the grand scheme of things it matters. And right it, now, it doesn't matter. we're not even yeah. sure if that Kansas game is even going to be played. Yeah. K-State game doesn't matter anymore. Meanwhile, Kansas got whooped by TCU over the weekend, so at least there's a chance that Texas has a pointless game versus Kansas to end the tenure. Even oh, though man. you realize this year, <laughs> Rod, against the spread, Tom Herman has not covered a game. Texas has not covered a game this year as a favorite in a Big 12 game. They have not covered a spread when they're favored. Yeah. I know that, that trend holds up about the underdog and the favorite for Tom Herman, which is mm-hmm. also – I mean, we were, at first that was kind of a – you know a, it was a, something we were mocking Tom Herman with almost – and now it's ring so true that fact is stranger than fiction. It's like, yep. dude, as an underdog, are you really that inspired? And as a favorite, can you not? Fa- are you that overconfident every time you go out there and arrogant? Because at first you're like, yeah, this is just an odd pattern. Let's an see odd how this pa- play that plays out. And then it's like, no, it's not that small of a sample anymore. And it's- it continues to happen every time. Like yeah. until you prove me otherwise, I think that defines you. No doubt. So. He's gone. He gone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not being sensitive. He's fine. I mean, he'll get paid millions of oh, dollars. Oh, he's got paid a I, ton. He's I, fine. I feel for some of the support staff, folks lower on the totem pole. That Very true. In a pandemic. That's the I people will. we don't I agree with you because they don't get buyouts. No. The guys, on the, the, guy, <laughs> yeah. the folks on the recruiting staff, the folks in Good the point. social media department, creative services. Yeah. Those people are the, guy, the folks I feel. Yeah. I they got to go on unemployment. Yeah. They don't get the buyout that yeah. the coaches get. Yeah. yeah. Those co- coaching groups, they're – you know that you have the people that you're loyal to, and normally they travel well together and are able to help one another out. But in the meantime, when that happens, it seems to overlap with the holidays every time and every yes, time. Exactly. It's just sort of like the one untalked about thing about in that profession, but it's just like the worst thing about it. Yeah. 
And here's here's my thing. Rod, we were talking about this before we recorded, and we'll finish it with this. Uh, going back four years ago, which, by the way, do you know the Iowa State game was the four-year anniversary to the date of Tom Herman's introductory press conference? Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. it's funny It was how, weird. That's why funny. I kept refreshing my computer on Friday. Because when I think of Friday mm. after Thanksgiving or whatever, you just think of that. Yeah. Wow. And it's freaky. There was so much hope, so much out of him. And Rod, I remember. I, I thought he was the guy. I, I, I remember did before yeah, that. I was on the record. I remember. Well, and I think it still might have been the right hire. For I the remember time. before that. Before that season, we recorded mm-hmm. a podcast, and we had Sloan Thomas and BJ Johnson in there mm-hmm. with us. Mm-hmm. And I remember Rod, you, Sloan, and BJ, and all, all, all five of us, six of us, were in there talking, and all six of us were in agreement that yeah, if you need to change coaches, there's there's one obvious answer: mm-hmm. the guy running it at Houston. Yep, and. The thing that disappoints me more than anything else about the Tom Herman hire, because people can talk about, oh, he's arrogant, he says this in press conferences, doing the double birds or headbutting people or mocking <laughs> Drew Locke. None of that stuff bothers me near as much as this. When I watch Tom Herman's teams play at Houston, and maybe I should have done a little more deep dive me in some too. of those Houston games, <laughs> I saw a team, Rod, that was buttoned up, that was physical, that was well-coached and disciplined, and looked like they paid attention to detail. Yeah. And looks like bowl this game team, Texas. This mm-hmm. team every year under Tom Herman has been one of the most penalized teams in the country. They're routinely undisciplined. They don't pay attention to detail. They lack a killer instinct. They're everything I thought Tom Herman Texas teams wouldn't be. And that a guy that sold himself, we don't miss. We don't miss. He's missed a lot and it's gonna cost him his job. And for a guy that sold himself as a details guy to be, quite frankly, so bad when it comes to details, it, it just it, – it, and that's not to say Tom Herman's been terrible at everything he's done. No. I praise him for his roster construction and roster management, and there's been some things that Tom Herman's been very he's good He's raised about. the job from when he got it. Oh, it's a, it's an infinitely better job than when he took it. Yeah. But on the field on Saturdays, for Texas to be as bad – bad as they are when it comes to details for a guy that sold him as a detail-oriented coach that rod that's floored me how wrong i was about that yeah and, I, and i'll say this you I know bet it eats him up too i bet he's it's gonna be hard for him to get over this oh yeah no doubt but <laughs> put everything in perspective and i think this also hurts tom herman it hurt, it hurt mac brown too by the way uh you know oklahoma was supposed to be down this year mm-hmm. oklahoma had to bench their starting quarterback during that game and you still couldn't beat them yeah that's They're crazy down. They now they're good because they got all the guys off suspension. The only one that stopped you, Redler. You two of now we know two of their top five players were out when you played them. Yeah, <laughs> right. Oh, because Stevenson's Parkins, a whole exactly. other level, and you couldn't beat them. And you look at what a has got going on on the periphery. Yeah. That doesn't help you. The eyes of Texas issue, which is also kind of your fault. That issue doesn't help you. All of that is perception, and perception affects recruiting. When the game following and your recruiting you on ABC is down, is Mac Brown, like, yeah, and all like, that. That's an odd one. And I'll say this: I think he's an above-average coach. I do. I really mm-hmm. do. His record reflects that. But he's just above average. He's not good. He's not really good. or great, right? He's just above average. I don't even mm-hmm. know if he's good, but he's he's depends on your definition. But he's not great. And he's not elite. And in the Big Twelve, that means you'll be out coached at least three times a year. And look at every year, right? It's either Lincoln Riley or it's Gary Patterson or it's Matt Campbell mm-hmm. or it's Matt Rule. Like somebody's going – you're going to get out coached. And they're going to be new good you, coaches. Could yeah, new good coaches come no, out of this exactly. area. Exactly. Yeah. 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 You're going to get out coached if mm-hmm. you have this uh, middle-of-the-road, above-average coach. It's been Gundy. Or it's, it's been Gundy, exactly. And I think t- for Tom Herman and Texas fans, that's not going to work because you get every advantage. You have the recruiting advantage. You have the facilities advantage. You have Austin. You have everything except – 
a coaching advantage. That's the one advantage you don't naturally have. So everything, the reason that Texas is failing is obvious. It's coaching. Mm-hmm. Every advantage is also. All the, and how about this? Every coach you lost to this year admitted that they didn't play their best game. Right. They've admitted. Oh, they, oh, and I don't know if they're doing it on purpose to mock something right now. Mm-hmm. But in the, after the game, they're like, Gary Patterson's like, man, yeah, Patterson we didn't play like, a great game. But I don't know what the hell we won that game. Yeah. And Matt Campbell's like, we don't have to be perfect. We just we just got to play hard. I'm like, what the? So they know they're not playing great game. Hell, Lincoln Riley benched his damn starting quarterback. <laughs> right. Have you seen TCU the, since that game? It's they're having like you bad games and them. beating you, man. Think about that. It's not good. No. And Neil, Tom like, Herman's West, tenure. West Virginia didn't play a great game. No. Like Neil Brown even said, like, yeah, we did a lot of that ourselves. <laughs> they did. So it's like, like, you're supposed to be blowing some of these teams out, yet you're in one-score games with them half the time when they're not 40, playing good games. 40, 48 games as a head coach of Texas for Tom Herman. Come on now. And they've been in 27 one-possession games. <laughs> well, and that's where the poll. With every advantage. In between the two, when you think of the Tom Herman era, what I'm going to think about is, is sort of how you laid it out right there, Rod, when you talk about, well, you know, whenever it was the Houston Tom Herman, you thought you were going to get him. Well, that's bowl game Tom Herman. But then mm-hmm. what do you get? Season opener Tom Herman. And we had <sighs> that happening. And the idea that those would overlap as back-to-back <laughs> games. And then you'd be stuck in between for 10 games be like are we good are we bad where is this headed and then every time you would get on one side then it would be the underdog versus favorite Herman would balance out and you would be stuck back where you were before and you're like well I know the players are better but I don't even know how much better this team is somehow (laughs) and it's like a riddle yep and, and then you, you start thinking about this team, and this is, great. again, another reason why I think you, you, you need to make a change. At your, your, if you don't, you're just prolonging the inevitable. Mm-hmm. We already know Sam Cosby's not coming back. He has opted out, cleaned right. out his locker, so. getting Good ready for, for the NFL draft, and I don't think anybody should blame him in a season no. where he, you had the injury, you had an injury concern that could have popped up. You're dealing with COVID, all this other stuff. It's Sam Cosby gave you everything yep. that he could give you for the time he did. Happy that you got him. But, yep. So you know Sam Cosby's not going to be back. Most likely we don't think Sam Elliott's coming back. Yep. Even though if Very. things were to play out the way, in the most That's imaginable true. way, what could go worse? I don't think that last play is how you want to leave this school. But it, I'm, it's, there's a 99.9999999999% chance that Sam Elliott's gone. Yeah. Most likely if Joseph Osai's a first-round pick, he should go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, those Without those three guys, Rod, what are you going to look like next year? If, with the, if, if everything else is status quo and you lose those three guys, what are you going to look like? Scary thought. At least with college football these days, it's pretty crazy how quickly you can change things with just a couple recruits. And then like the way the grad transfer world works, plus with this transfer portal and post-COVID to where like we're going to be seeing so much more movement as just the norm. You know, mm-hmm. a decade oh, ago tra- when Russell Wilson market, was doing it, nobody had done it. The yeah. transfer market, it's going to be like NFL or NBA free agency on day one. I mean, it is going to be it's going to be crazy. nuts the spring. It's yeah. going to be insane. But Rod, I, I think what you said is kind of where I'm at with, with Tom Herman in general and with, with Texas in general. And this is why I think, look, we can't, there's no sense in not talking about it anymore. I mean, there's a reason why I think you've got to go get Urban Meyer. You have to. Because yeah. in this league, we're, we're beyond the days where Mac Brown could just roll out a roster that's infinitely more talented than everybody, mm-hmm. and you're almost guaranteed to win nine games just because you're better than everybody in the league or in your division. Mm-hmm. Those are the days. Yeah, that's that. That's okay. not that's not college football anymore. Not nope. anymore we Nick Saban doesn't even coach that way anymore. He mm-hmm. tries his best. Urban, okay. Urban Meyer had to bring in Ryan Day to evolve his offense because, as talented as Ohio State was, they weren't winning games that way anymore. 
agree. That's not how you're not you're not winning in college football. Just rolling it out and saying <clears throat> ours are better than yours, and we're gonna win. I recruited no, better. To, I'm good. Highly cut. You have cake to is be baked. Great <laughs> coach, great schemed with great talent and in game adjustments. And there's like to, five teams that are championship yeah. worthy, and this is a weird COVID year. That is the trap Tom Herman fell into, and where I think Charlie Strong was trying to get, and why some of Char- some of the things that set Charlie back during his tenure. At Texas, with the type of talent you can recruit, it's real easy to think you can just roll it out there and go beat mm-hmm. damn near everybody on your schedule. I agree with this. Yep. That's well, when, not, again, that's not the way college football works in 2020. And that's what young coaches understand, but I'm not sure if the older generation, because, I mean, you're only what you are from your learned behaviors, and if you grew up until you were 50 years old and Texas could do that, you sort of had this belief that, that you can do those things. And I really think it's going to take a younger coach like Lincoln Riley or somebody that really gets it, or that's, you know, your transcendent coach, your Urban Myers. If you yeah. don't get Urban Meyer, it's going to be hard to find one of those. Yeah. You know, you I don't <clears throat> I I'm I haven't I mean I've had people tell me, hey, so it's check keep an eye on so and so name if Urban Meyer were to not want the job or I mean let's let's Man. face it. The Texas job is Urban Meyer's if he wants it. If it's Urban Meyer right. wants this job, he will be the next head football coach. He knows if he turns it down, it says a lot. It does. It t- if he turns it down, we that's when we need to start rethinking this brand. Yeah. If Urban Meyer turns down Texas and and turns it down and ends up coaching again, yes, I agree with and that. And ends up coaching he has again. An odd health. I think with I, his family. I still I think because I, I don't think the health is why he won't coach again. Agreed, I, but yeah. like there is that layer which other coaches don't, I think, maybe have. I think if Texas was sexy enough, it could lure him. Even I, even with the health issues, and we know that because he had health issues after Florida and still Agreed. chose Ohio State. Agreed, exactly because it's freaking Ohio State. Yes. And there is this perception that Texas is what it was 15 years ago. And the truth is, it is not. How far have we fallen? We don't know. Because we are in the bubble. Now, and I'm telling you, if you can't lure Urban Meyer and you go out there and get another coach in, I don't know, some kind of coach who's a coach in training or whatever, some young up-and-coming guy, and he don't do it, you could be Tennessee. Okay. Or Nebraska. You could be Nebraska. Or Michigan. You know what I'm saying? You, you don't, don't think you're very far from people. Like, at least we're not Michigan. Listen, mm-hmm. you ain't that far from them. Thank You're you. closer to Thank Tennessee, you. Nebraska, and Michigan than you are to Ohio State, Bama, and Clemson. That's exactly what I was yep. going to say, right? 100%. All right? Now, that's why I said watch this Urban Meyer thing. If he decides, nah, man, that's a bit of a dumpster fire. I, I'd rather focus on my health issues. or whether it's not, And if he coach against or not, I'm telling you, it means that brand ain't big as you all think it. it, it at one point, Jimmy Johnson and and, and guys like, you know, um, old school football guys, like even Jerry Jones, uh, as often would say, that, that this is the best, this is one of the best jobs in the country. Like, heard, this is I've it. I've heard Jimmy Johnson say this is the this best is job in football. Yeah, mm-hmm. period, period. At any level. Like, this is it, right? And now. You're gonna just start selling for settling for coaches because no. you can't get you can't even you can't even do what A and M did and go get Jimbo from somewhere else. Then you can't even go get a big name from somewhere else. You can't do that. Then your brand is not what you think it is. Yep. You can make money, but that don't mean your brand is respected. Because you'd have Saban. That's my point exactly. Exactly, Saban didn't come here. Why? Because Mac Brown poisoned the well. Because he didn't want somebody to, to follow him that was better than him. Yeah, and by Max the way, Iowa State, Iowa State, instead of dogging the coach before them, they come in and thank the coach before them. Matt Campbell came in and said, man, thank God for Paul Rose. Matt Campbell thank on God. Saturday thanked yeah. Dan McCarty. They got all them coaches because if, if not for them, I wouldn't be where I was. And that's what Tom Herman should have did when he came in here. He just said, man, Charlie did a damn good job. I'm going to pick up where Charlie, Char- Charlie left off. And, instead of look where this of, program has been the last three years. Instead of taking shots at him. 
and the next coach don't come in and probably take shots at him. That's the culture of this program, but that's mm-hmm. bad. That's not a good culture. It's not a good culture. That's toxicity. You don't want to step on the one below you to get to the next step. You see you what wanna, I'm saying? It runs deeper. Thought. This is bigger than Tom Herman. This is a macro issue, and, and it's existed that. for three different coaches, people. And Three we thought that was done whenever we had that introductory press conference four years ago and we talked about, oh, it looks like the family yeah. is back together and this is a family. Well, let, let me Mac, is done. Mac, is de- Mac is thriving because he evolved, right? So it ain't right. necessarily the job. It, it's, the, it's something going on here at this program. Those coaches right. aren't necessarily bad coaches uh, after all. Because we got to wrap this up, but mm. I, I want to ask you this. Uh, I feel like we're in a, just in an endless episode of House where we have – we have identified the symptoms, but have we really diagnosed the problem? Have we figured out what this disease is, what this ailment is? We know the symptoms. We can see the symptoms. But have we really diagnosed the problem? And is the problem as simple as you've got to get you a, a truly elite coach who truly understands how to build a championship culture in 2020? Is, that, is, is it as simple as that? Is that, is, that the, is that the solution? Is that the remedy? Yeah, because you don't have the solution, so you need to go find somebody who does. And mm-hmm. the only person who does is somebody who's built a blue blood program from the ground up back to championship level play. Like twice. Urban did. Twice. I think in te- different conferences with different cultures, different ecosystems. Mm-hmm. I think Texas fans too. Immediately to, too. You know, Immediately. You know, if if Urban Meyer is the next head coach of Texas, I think Texas fans need to look at it like this. You're not hiring Daryl Royal or Mac Brown, the guy that's going to be here for 15 years. No. You're hiring what Urban Meyer is, which I don't mean this in any He's disrespect. An it's, a, it's, it's a compliment. He's Urban a Meyer's a mercenary. He's a mercenary. You know exactly what you're getting. Mm-hmm. Some people might not like some of the things in his past or some of the things that of popped course. up in Florida and Ohio State, but you know what Urban Meyer does? He wins a crap ton of games. He competes for championships every year, and he puts a whole lot of guys in the NFL. You and know what you're I'll getting. tell you right now, and probably rightfully so, if Texas doesn't get him, I almost feel sorry for the next guy because that's who Texas fans want. And if Texas fans don't normally have your mind made up, and if you don't get him, it's going to be even harder. Last and that time. sort of goes back to the problems that you're talking about. Saving time, yeah. Yeah. What happened to Charlie? We'll, uh, we'll see how it all plays out. It's going to be interesting to, to see what happens. Happy holidays. I mean, can you, y'all don't even know if you can, can you go get, I mean, could you get Matt Campbell if you wanted Matt Campbell? <laughs> could you get him? Would he go, nah, I'm going to wait on that, something else. His, his, <laughs> I don't think the Texas fans would give him a shot. His buyout is huge. And I that's know the, it's that's huge. The, but that's the thing with Urban Meyer, well, though. Texas has the money. All the money, well, yeah, the yeah, money yeah. isn't a problem. Money ain't a problem. But that's, that's yeah. the thing that makes Urban But I'm not Urban saying Meyer. you want Matt Campbell. My point is the brand. Is it that powerful? And then when it took Jimbo, I know Jimbo wasn't happy there, but they were like, nah, Jimbo, come here. We'll make seven, what, $75 million guaranteed contract. Gun. You want it? We got it. You can't. You're supposed to be able to make offers that people can't refuse. But that's, that Urban Meyer cannot refuse. Right. Hey, Urban Meyer, we're going to give you $18 million a year to coach Texas. <laughs> Would you please come back? Okay, we'll come back. You're supposed to be able to do that. Yep. What you doing with all the damn money? Yep. Where is it? Yes, exactly. You're supposed to be able to. Don't like, act like the you Aggies don't are throwing it. it around. They threw it around. Literally, they pay. want a blue blood. They spent money like a blue blood, built like a blue blood, live in the same neighborhoods with the blue bloods. Yeah. Hire the whole family. Come on. We're 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 about to find out how serious Texas is, Rod. To your point, exactly how about serious football. Texas is about football. <laughs> Damn because right. I, I'll be I'll be quite honest. I heard I heard this said, and I I heard it said earlier this year, and I just it's stuck in my head. And I I think this is kind of where this university is. 
you can't try to be Stanford Monday through Friday and then expect to go be Alabama on Saturday. No, that's why they're good at Olympic sports. You got to figure out who. Okay, if we're gonna get serious about football, if we really want to build a football, you got to un like to, to, to everything we just talked about. You got to understand what wins games in college football in 2020 and who can win you those games, and you got to go get that guy. Like you said, write an offer you can't refuse. Yep, and Urban's at that age where he, you, if you get him, you can get him while he's still on that prime and have a lot of time. Like he's at that we'll tipping see. point, you know. We shall see. You know, Rod, and I know you, you've got you've got a degree from Texas. You've got the T ring, but you know, it's one of those deals. that's like, oh, Texas, you can get a great education. Talk about all these things Texas, Texas has to offer. Yeah, that's fine. But what do high school recruits really care about in this day and age? They want to go somewhere where you can win championships and who's going to get me to the league. Yep. Right now, Texas is not that. That's where Quinn Ewers is going. So, yep. Pretty much. Mm-hmm. And that ain't we're, happening either. We're about, <laughs> we're about to find out again. I think, that, I think Rod, you said it best. We're about to find out how serious Texas is about being a blue blood football program. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that'll, that'll set the bar on whether we come in here and rant and rave on a blitz or just, eh, it is what it is. Yeah, and I'm not saying the Aggies become the front of the state. But A&M, that, to Rod's point about the Jimbo Fisher thing, there's a tipping. And A&M said, "If we're gonna be a blue blood, damn it, go act like it. Let's go act like go it. Go be it. Let's yeah. go be it. We're gonna do it. We're gonna do it. Let's we go got all this money. The hell? Conf- let's go to the biggest, baddest conference in the history of college football, and let's go put. Let's go stake our claim. Well, and no, then let's go get a blue blood. Let's go get a coach that's coached a championship uh, winner already, and then let's go make him a damn offer that nobody in college football is think is, is sensible." Yep. Everybody's going to laugh at us, but damn it, we're going to have a Blue Blood coach, and we're going to be playing. We live in the same neighborhoods. We're going to have a stadium like Blue Bloods. We're going to spend money like Blue Bloods, and damn it, look where they are right now. So my point is, they got serious about it. They got real serious about it. To your yep. point about A&M, Rod, can I read you these records? Can yeah. I read you just these year-by-year records? Yeah. 11-2, and 9-4, and 8-5, 8-5, 8-5, 7-5. and You know what those were? Just Kevin Sumlin's record, year-by-year records in his tenure at A&M. There are no losing seasons in there. I know. But you decided you could do better. And there was somebody out there who could take you to the level you think you need to be at. And did you spend a lot of money to do it? Yeah. Yeah, you did. You spent a lot of money. Mm-hmm. But if you're a Texas fan, would you take being ranked fifth in the country with your only loss to Alabama? It doesn't look like anybody's going to touch them this year. Would you take it? <laughs> a lot of people listen to this podcast. <laughs> if you say no, you're lying to yourself. Exactly. Well, and that's the point right there when another state university that's actually below you on the totem pole and in, in, in bringing in money can go spend that type of money to go get somebody like that. Texas can do the same thing. Yes, yeah. exactly. Texas has to make the same decision Texas A&M did. If we're a blue blood, if we're really going to be blue blood, be like, hey, if we want to think be, we're a blue blood, then let's go act like it. Otherwise, just be happy with 8-4 and four every year. New AD, new president. We'll see because they're the ones making the decision. From, from the boosters as, and the donors, I think, are ready to pay money. As of right now. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing. That's the thing that makes this coaching transition whenever it does, whenever the other shoe drops. That's the thing that makes this one different than the previous two. Because Chris Del Conte, Jay Hartzell, and the money guy and the money folks, from everything I've heard, they're all on the same page. Well then, should be easy. Should be easy. Yeah, let's hope so. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, (laughs) nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.
All right, yeah. we'll see what happens. Matt, thanks for everything, man. You're more than welcome. Rod, we appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother, anytime. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn, 1049, 1019, AM 1260, streaming on the Horn app at hornfm.com, where you can hear Rod B on the triple option each and every weekday from 3 to 7. Shameless plug. plug. Sorry. <laughs> I was reading some shameless plug. <laughs> I'm get, distracted. Can also get myself. <laughs> I, I was there for you. Can also get myself and Craig Way each and every weekday on Light the Tower <laughs> from 10 to noon. And thanks to Matt, you can get all of our archives and interviews, classic shows, everything's available on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Just type in Longhorn Blitz. And don't forget to search this, get this podcast anywhere you get your podcast. Just search Horns 24-7 Podcast, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. Search Horns 24-7 Podcast to get every episode of the flagship of State of Recruiting and Longhorn Blitz. And don't forget to like us and leave us a five-star review. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.